What if there was a different way to live and work beyond the hustle and hype, beyond the never ending race to get more, do more, be more, a way that's nourishing, grounded, creative, and aligned with your deepest, truest self. You're listening to Alchemy in Action with me, your host, Amanda Cook. In each episode, we'll explore nature-based personal growth for high-achieving women. Join me to create a life and work that truly fit you, infused with meaning and magic. Hello, welcome to this week's episode of the Wellpreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Cook. And this week, as always, we're talking about digital marketing for your wellness business. And this week, I've got an awesome interview for you. I'm talking with Janet Murray, who is a PR expert and a journalist and an editor. And Jan's going to be talking to us all about how we can get media coverage for our businesses. Now, I know this is something that many of you out there aspire to because getting a good mention in the media can be a really fast track way to expanding your audience and just getting more visibility for the work that you're putting out in the world. But the thing is, I know it can feel really intimidating about how do you even go about getting media coverage? Like, what if you haven't had any media coverage yet? How, why is anyone going to feature you, right? And how do you figure out the places that you want to pitch yourself? How do you even pitch yourself? How do you find the contacts of the editors and the journalists that you want to be speaking with? Jan is going to demystify all of this for us. And this is one of those interviews where you absolutely are going to want to get a notebook and be sitting someplace that you can be taking notes and writing tips because she just constantly throughout the entire interview is just giving amazing advice and tips on how to get more media coverage for our wellness businesses. Now, you know, I love all my interviews, but there's a few that really stand out as being super generous. Like, for example, when I did this interview with Jan, I was really reminded of my Instagram interview with Sue Zimmerman. That was back in episode 39. If you're interested in using Instagram for your business and you haven't heard that episode, then definitely hop back to wellpreneuronline.com slash 39 and listen to that one because that's another interview where it's just tip after tip after tip, the whole interview. Really awesome. And Jan does that for us today, but about getting media coverage, which is just fantastic. But before we jump into this interview with Jan, I just want to give you a little update about what's going on in terms of my social media automation, because I really enjoy sharing the tools I'm using and what I found that's working for me and my business. So as you might know, for years, well, a couple of years, I was paying for a paid subscription to Buffer. And Buffer is, you know, probably still my very favorite social media automation tool. And I was also sometimes using Hootsuite. And now the difference is that Buffer you basically set up a schedule. So you'd say for my Twitter account, I want to tweet three times a day or five times a day at these times, right? And so you just set up that schedule. And then you just have a queue of posts that you want to send out. So what I loved about Buffer is I had a little browser extension on my web browser. And so when I would find an article that I wanted to share, I could just click Buffer it and it would just add it to the bottom of the queue. So what I really liked about it is that it's just an easy way to be sharing out content, but you don't have to schedule each post. When the next posting time that you've set up comes around, it just pulls the item off the top of your queue and sends it out to your social media, right? Which I love that. Whereas I found like Hootsuite is really useful, but with Hootsuite, you're kind of scheduling each post. I know they have an auto schedule feature, but still you're like setting up for each post that you want it to go out at a certain time. 
And that's what I found really great about Buffer was that I could just, as I was finding articles and things that my readers would enjoy, I could just add it to my queue. So I was using Buffer for ages, but recently I've come across a kind of a weakness of it, which is that I really want to share out my old episodes of the podcast because so many of these episodes are still super valuable. And as my audience grows, they just haven't been exposed to all of these awesome interviews that happened last year. And so what I was doing was going through Buffer and every couple of months, I'd spend some time, either me or my virtual assistant, going through and clicking through every single post on my blog and re-adding it to my Buffer. And actually, this is kind of annoying because once those have gone through the Buffer and they've been published, then they're gone. And so then I'd have to go back through my blog and re-add those same posts again and come up with a tweet again to promote that post or that podcast. And it was just, it was getting kind of annoying. So I finally taken the plunge and I've gone back to Edgar, which is a relatively new social media automation tool. The drawback of Edgar is that it's quite expensive. So the lowest plan, I think it's $49 a month. So you definitely need to be at a point where you're getting value and you've got a community and there's value about sharing out your old content. Because up until then, you can just do it manually. Like you could just keep a spreadsheet of your old posts and then reload them in to Hootsuite or reload them into Buffer yourself. But for me, I'm really at the point, I tried Edgar before and it was awesome with the evergreen post. Then I quit it and went back to Buffer. And actually, I just really, my engagement went way down because it just wasn't as good in terms of sharing my old posts. So I've gone back to Edgar and I spent, you know, an hour going through all my old social media posts and queuing them up into Edgar. And basically what Edgar does is it has categories. So I have a category called podcast post, or like I'll have a category called blog posts or called promotional. And you load up all these tweets and posts in the different categories. And then you've got a schedule and you say on Tuesdays at 9 a.m. post a podcast post. And on Wednesdays at 3 p.m. post a blog post. And then it just goes in and randomly picks a post out of those categories and reposts it. And it always stays there. So all of those podcast posts I loaded in will always be there. They're evergreen. So I never have to go add them again, which is just awesome. So I've unfortunately canceled my buffer, although I still love, love, love buffer. And I recommend it for you to give a try if you're not ready to try something like Edgar. And I also still have Hootsuite. And mainly I use Hootsuite to consolidate where I have to check on where to interact and engage with my audience. So Hootsuite, like I just log in there and I can see both my Twitter accounts and my Facebook pages all in one place and I can reply to comments right there. And Hootsuite's just added Instagram, which is awesome too. So that's what I'm doing with social media these days. I'm using Edgar for all of my evergreen content to promote my existing catalog of posts and podcasts on both Wellpreneur Online and on Vintage Amanda. Because again, on Vintage Amanda, I've got, you know, a couple hundred blog posts that are still really valuable that can be promoted out. And then I'm using Hootsuite for engagement and to keep track of the conversations that are going on within my social media communities online. So that's just a little bit of what I'm doing. I'll link up all of those tools in the show notes so that you can check them out if you'd like to automate your social media too. And the last thing I wanted to let you know is about the blog challenge. So I got so many comments from people when I took the blog challenge away. Basically, I have this free five-day blogging challenge, which walks you through this process to fill your blog with content that your ideal clients will love and share. And I'd had it up for about a year. I took it down to have a little change of pace and I got loads of comments about it. So I've revamped it 
spruced it up, made it even more awesome and put it back online. And so if you haven't taken the blog challenge yet and you need some help developing really good magnetic content for your blog, you can find that at wellpreneuronline.com slash challenge. And I put in a really cool feature at the end that if you share with me the blog post that you wrote during the blog challenge, I just might share it with my entire audience on Twitter, which is pretty cool. And I've had a couple of those come in already, which is awesome. Okay, so enough about the Wellpreneur updates and social media and blogging challenges and all that stuff. I know you're really ready to hear these media coverage tips, right? So get your pen and paper ready or your Evernote notebook, whatever you do to take notes. And let's go into this interview with Janet Murray. Now, just so you know, this is episode 77 and all of the links to everything we talk about in this interview will be in the show notes, which are either at wellpreneuronline.com slash 77 or in iTunes or on your iTunes iPhone, if you just tap the picture of the Wellpreneur podcast, it should bring you directly to the show notes and then you can just access the links there. Okay, let's get into some media tips. Hi, Jen. Thanks for joining me on the show today. Thanks for having me along. I am so excited to talk to you. Actually, I love how you ended up coming into my universe because it's exactly what you do. You just found me and pitched yourself. (laughs) You had such a great pitch and you were like, this is what I do. This is my experience. These are all these awesome topics we can talk about that your audience is going to love. And you were so right on. And so for everybody out there listening, Jan is a PR expert and consultant, and she's going to talk to us about how we can get press coverage for our wellness businesses and, and how that can help our business. So I just think that's funny that I mean, you kind of walked your talk, right? You... <laughs> yeah, pitching is what I do best. So. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk more about that. Yeah. So just to get us started, can you let us know a bit of your background and how you got into all of this? Okay. Well, I actually started life as a school teacher. So I taught English. Um, I'm from the UK. I taught English in secondary schools for four years. And I wasn't really that keen on it. And one of the things that I really wasn't keen on was just that kind of repetitive nature of the timetable I had to be in you know I knew that every Monday I was going to be teaching this class in this place and it just kind of didn't suit me although you know I always loved teaching but something about that just didn't work for me I'd always loved writing and the media so I retrained as a journalist I had every intention of getting a job on a magazine or a newspaper and you know being employed again but then when I was on my journalism course I started selling in stories to the media and I started realizing that actually anybody with a good idea can sell a story to a newspaper or a magazine or even radio or TV. So I kind of thought, really counterintuitively, really, I thought, well, maybe I could be freelance. Maybe I could do this freelance. I could get up in the morning, plan my own day, do my own thing, just sell stories to newspapers and magazines and have a very nice life and have that kind of freedom lifestyle that I kind of craved. So that's exactly what I did. So I set up as a freelance journalist and everybody told me at the outset, you'll never make it, you'll never be able to get in the nationals and, and that kind of thing. You know, you'll be struggling to make ends meet. But actually, within a few months, I'd got coverage in some of the big UK national newspapers like The Guardian, The Independent, The Telegraph, Independent on Sunday. And it was just, I was just so determined. Um, I was determined just to kind of learn, you know, what was it that journalists were looking for and editors? How could I really give them what they needed? And that's exactly what I did. And I did that for about, I did it for about sort of five well, I've done it in total for 15 years. Nowadays, I write mainly for The Guardian. I also work as an editor for The Guardian. So I'm kind of on both sides of the desk, if you like. And after about five years, I started to notice something. I noticed that the PR industry were just really, really bad at pitching to the media. And, and people, I would get dozens of press releases and emails every day from people who were just the most 
it just appalling ideas. I know that that probably sounds awful, doesn't it? But just so offbeat, you know, just just so not what I was looking for. So I thought, oh, the entrepreneurial sort of part of me thought, well, you know, maybe I could I could make some money out of this. So I thought, right, well, um, I started running courses and workshops for PR people or anyone really who wanted to pitch into the media on pitching. That went quite well, and it was an extra bit of income for me. And ran my own workshops, also did some sort of consultancy and training of people sort of buy me in to go and, and train people. And I just really kind of enjoyed it, got, got, got really interested in it. But I was never keen. I didn't want to do PR for people. So there's kind of quite a conflict in the world of media between journalists and PRs. And most journalists, there's a kind of, you know, kind of us and them scenario. Most journalists are never quite keen to kind of do PR for people. But also, I just had this real conviction that, Anybody can do this. If you've got a great idea, there's no reason why you or I or anybody else can't put the phone to a national newspaper or a glossy magazine and just kind of pitch the idea. So I went from, I started a blog about two or three years ago. I and mean, it was really a kind of content marketing tool to try and get more people to, to engage with my services and, and book me for speaking and training and that kind of thing. But that really just kind of took off. And so now I'm in the process of developing an online PR course and I'm hoping I'm going to roll that out next year. I'm hoping to have people from all around the world studying with me on how to get coverage in high-profile newspapers and magazines and radio and TV. Mm, awesome. I think that's something that a lot of people out there listening want. I mean, that's the dream, right? <laughs> is to yeah. get major media coverage. So the person out there listening is like really excited about something that they're working on. How do you even start to think about how to translate your idea into something anybody else is going to care about? Well, the key thing is to almost put aside what you're interested in and what you think is interesting. It's really about giving journalists what they want. And so it's about really trying to understand, to look at the publications of the programmes that you want to get coverage in and really try and get inside the mindset of that editor or journalist and try and understand what kind of content do they run regularly? What kind of stories do they seem to like? What have you got that could fit into that? So it's not about you sitting there thinking, I really want people to write about this because this is what I'm interested in. It's actually looking at, well, what journalists are interested in and how can I give them something that will fit in? So it's a little bit like the pitch that I sent to you. I've been listening to your podcast for a while. I've got a sense of the, the kind of guests that you had on, kind of things, the kind of content that you're offering. And so when I put a pitch together for you, I really tried to think about what would work for you and what would work for your audience. No good me sort of saying, I want to talk about this. It's all about you. So it's really making it all about the journalist, all about the editor. And that's a kind of quite a common mistake when people are starting out with press coverage. They just kind of get an idea and think, you know, I think this is really, really interesting. I think the world should know about it. They send off a pitch to the media and then it's just crickets. And it's often because they're kind of too inward focused. They're, too, they're looking at themselves. So it really is about, I call it soulful PR. That's I've developed this kind of, you know, this is my approach to PR. It's, it's about kind of it's the kind of three tenets to it. You know, the first is about service. So instead of thinking about, you know, what can I get out of it? You start by thinking, how can I help journalists? And when you're thinking, how can I help journalists? Because they're really, you know, you have to you have conversations with them. You're not kind of pitching them. You're not begging them for coverage. You're kind of talking to them and you're trying to understand them. Um, it's about sincerity. So stories that really come from the heart, so stories that you know people will really connect with, and it's just about simplicity. So, so when you're pitching, just being really simple, really straightforward. Mm-hmm. So, what kind of stories would journalists even be interested in hearing about from business owners? If it's okay, I'll start with things that don't tend to work. So, mm-hmm. lots of business owners they, they will think, well, I've got a new product. You know, so if they run a beauty company, for example, they might think, well, I've got a new cream out, or if they run a fashion consultancy, I've got a new range out, or something like that. And journalists are not generally interested in writing about 
well, they're not there to publicise people's businesses. They're not there to sort of get you free publicity. So it's about thinking, well, what would people be interested in around my business? And often that's about thinking a little bit creatively. So one example that came to mind was, I was looking at the Huffington Post yesterday, I think it was, and I saw a really interesting, it was a first-person comment piece by a lady, and she was talking about the fact that this running magazine had a plus-size model on the front of it. And I read this article, which was really interesting, um, and it was all about her opinions. And I looked at the bottom, and the lady who'd written it was a lady who ran a fitness company. And so she's selling her company through PR. She's obviously bringing attention to her herself and what she does. But actually, her article is nothing to do with her business, really. The, the, the article which she's got in the Huffington Post is, is more about kind of what she stands for. And that's what, often what I say to people. It's like, well, what is it you stand for? What's your mission in the world? And, and when you approach journalists from that kind of point of view, that's when you're often more successful. So, for example, I had a story in The Guardian's Women in Leadership section recently, which really seemed to resonate with people. And it was about the fact that a few years ago, I had an office, I had some staff, I was kind of building up this kind of like PR and training consultancy, but it just got too much. And I decided I wanted to go back to being a solopreneur. So it was really about that kind of journey. And it was about how I feel more of a leader now since I've done that. And it's really interesting that the article doesn't, in it, I kind of mentioned very, very briefly what it is that I do day to day. Great publicity for me. At the end of it, it linked to my website. It said what I did at the end of it. But it, it was more about my values and my mission and what I want to do in my business. And I got such great engagement. And I think that's really, that's the sweet spot if you're looking for press coverage. It's not thinking, well, how can I get journalists to write about my business? My business is wonderful. Everybody thinks their business is wonderful. It's more about thinking, well, what do I stand for? and How can I communicate that? What can I give journalists that is really more about what I stand for? Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. I mean, it reminds me a lot of what we talk about in content marketing. But most of the time when we're talking about content marketing, we're not thinking about what do journalists want, but we're thinking about what does your ideal client want? So it's not just what you want to write about. You're not just writing about your products. You're writing about something that relates to them. And that sounds to me very similar to what you're saying, but you're just considering the journalist needs. Yeah, I often say when I'm speaking, I speak at a lot of conferences about this kind of stuff. And I often say to PR people, people who work in that industry, think like marketers. Because when you're thinking like a marketer, you're just thinking about your audience. And so in the case of PR, you're thinking about the journalist audience. You're thinking they don't care. I mean, this is a really important point to make. When I've you know, got my editor's hat on and I'm sitting there at The Guardian, you know, I said to you earlier before we got on the call, I'm covering for an editor there this week. I don't care about people's businesses or organisations in the nicest possible way. I care about the stories. So if somebody comes to me and they've got a great story that I think my readers will love, that's going to get my attention. Somebody coming and saying, please write about my business, please write about my organisation. It's not going to be interested. I'm not interested in helping them. I'm interested in stories. I'm interested in things that my audience will get excited about, You know, things mm-hmm. that they will share online things I want to talk about with their friends. So yeah, it's so, so similar to marketing and much more similar than people think. So as you were saying this, it raised the question in my mind, like when we're pitching something to journalists, are you pitching an entire article that you would want them to run? Or are you trying to just pitch them an idea that they would then quote you in an article or write an article about you? Like, what are we typically going for? I mean, it depends. This is why this stuff takes a while to develop expertise in PR. Anybody can do it, but it it takes a while. So if you're pitching, say, an opinion article, like the example I mentioned for the Huffington Post, in that case, you might be pitching to write that yourself. In other cases, it might be that you've noticed a particular trend or you've noticed something interesting going on and you're sort of suggesting that the journalist might write that piece or they might they might get a journalist to write that piece. So an example that comes to mind is um, I was working on the Guardian Small Business Network a little while ago 
And we had this great story. It was actually for the, the Guardian's got this quite a big presence in the US now, so it was for the US site. But it was about fashion trucks, you know, the sort of food trucks. But it's this, like, this new trend in fashion trucks. And these women who didn't want to set up, they didn't want to pay the rents for shops, so they set up their, their own trucks. And they were going around LA and California, California with their, their shops in these trucks. And it was just fascinating. But basically somebody had come who had their own fashion truck and, and just said, look, there's a bit of a trend going on here. More people are doing this. Do you fancy writing about it? So in that case, the editor had commissioned somebody to write about it. So it really sort of depends on the story. But the key thing is, is to remember that journalists very rarely write about one business at a time. So, for example, with that fashion truck story, if you went to them and said, look, I've got a fashion truck. I think this is a bit of a trend. I think more of this is happening. They're likely to say to you, oh, that's interesting, but we probably just wouldn't write about your business. Do you know any others? And so sometimes to get that coverage, you have to be willing to, to share the column inches or share the airtime with other people. It's still great PR for you. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the first thing to do, it sounds like, is figure out what your story is and what kind of the interesting hook is. But then I guess you also need to figure out what are the right media outlets for yeah. you. The first step I always say to people to do, this kind of series of steps I would say to get through. The first one is, is to think, what is it you're actually trying to achieve for your media coverage? I don't think it's generally a good idea just to say, well, I just want to be in magazines or newspapers, because unless you know why you want to do it, then it is quite time-consuming, and it could actually be a waste of your time, and you might be better being on social media or whatever. So the first thing is, what is you want to achieve out of it? Lots of people I work with, and particularly people who work in health and wellness, they might be looking to get a book deal. They might be looking to attract particular kinds of clients. If they're a coach, they might be really focusing on attracting particular kinds of people to work with or high paying clients but if you've got an objective and then it's thinking to yourself well where will I find them what will those people be watching reading and listening to you might have this kind of fantasy about being in Marie Claire magazine or the New York Times or whatever but actually if that's not where your audience are then that could be a waste of your resources so it's really about thinking well who is it I want to attract and, and what do they read watch and listen to and then sort of focusing on those publications. Once you've kind of identified your publications, then it's about thinking, really kind of studying them, almost like you're studying for an exam, really. And so say, for example, you you decided you wanted to get into Elle magazine or Cosmopolitan or or whatever. What you need to do is get a copy of that magazine, maybe ideally over three or four months, and just really study the content. So we'll what kind of stories do they cover? What kind of things do I think they're interested in? And what have I got that could fit into that? So there's actually quite a lot of thinking before you even get to your story and a bit about you. A lot of it is thinking about what is it you're trying to get out of it and who is it you want to reach, where they are. There's a lot of thinking to do before you even get to your pitch. And you get better at that and you get quicker at it, but it's so important. And if you miss that bit out, you can just end up wasting time on your your pitches. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and actually, that sounds kind of fun, like, especially if you're pitching to magazines or yeah. <laughs> newspapers that you like, because you get yeah. to like really spend time with them uh, as yeah. part of your work, which is fun. Yeah. So Jen, you'd mentioned something in your pitch to me, actually, that you said how to find journalists' contact details and how to build relationships with them on social media. And this, I think, sounds really juicy and interesting. <laughs> so I'd love it if you could talk to us a bit about that. Well, I think one of the big blocks I think people have when they're trying to get press coverage is... They sort of think, well, how do I find these people? You know, okay, I want to get coverage in the Sydney Morning Herald, or I want to get in the New York Times or whatever, and they think, how do I find these journalists? And there's no sort of magic secret to this. It's a case of searching online. LinkedIn is brilliant, actually, for finding who the deputy editor is on Marie Claire or 
running magazine or whatever it might be. But Twitter, journalists are actively looking for stories. They need people like me or you to give them stories. So most journalists are on Twitter. They're quite active. They're sharing stories that they've written, that they've worked on. They're often looking for case studies. And that can be a brilliant thing as well. If you're on Twitter, I'll often put shout outs for case studies for stories that I'm working on. And yeah, just get there on, on Twitter. And it's really like with any networking, there's a kind of fine balance between obviously stalking. But I know when I want to make a professional connection with somebody, I mean, like yourself, you know, I started to listen to your podcast. We connected on, I think it was the B-School Facebook group. I started sharing a few of your links. It's a kind of gentle thing. You know, you, you spot somebody that you think, oh, I'm really interested in what they're doing. I'd like to work with them. And you sort of gradually start to make that connection. So it's all out there for you. And, you know, if you need to get hold of a journalist, contact yourself quick. I just, I just pick up the phone and ask. Journalists can be a bit grumpy. Sometimes they're on quite tight deadlines. It's quite a pressurized environment. But generally, as long as you're happy to be, you know, you don't mind being passed around and have the old gruff person at the end of the phone, you can get quite a lot of really good information. And not just about who to contact, but also about this is really important. Actually, timing is everything. is about lead time. So, for example, a lot of people don't realize that on a glossy magazine, they can work three to six months ahead. So while we're sunning ourselves on holiday, often editors on women's magazines will be thinking about the Christmas edition and they'll be putting that together. So it's no good you going with your top 10 ways to get through the Christmas break in November because they're probably already working on April. And this is the kind of stuff that you can find out if you're willing to pick up the phone and talk to people. And people are generally a lot friendlier than people think. So social media is great. It's a good way of just sort of listening. I would say listen at first if you want to get something on Forbes, for example, and you've worked out who the editor is for the section that you want to get coverage on, or Mind Body Green, or you know something like that. Just sort of listen to what they're tweeting for a while, or what they're sharing. You know, listen to the content they're putting out, and then maybe just respond or share something, and they just sort of gradually start to build up that relationship. But it's such a great resource. I mean, when I first started 15 years ago, that resource wasn't there. And God, it's made things so much easier. Yeah, no, totally. I think I started looking actually for like book publishers and things on Twitter and everybody's yeah. on Twitter and they just say what they do. So if you start looking for journalists, I'm sure it'll be really easy to start yeah. following yeah. them and connecting. Yeah. yeah. What I say to people as well is to make a, if you've got a hit list of publications that you want to get on, make a Twitter list of those people and just kind of check in every day. I've got various lists of people I kind of follow and stalk for various reasons, some private, some public, and just check in every day, see what they're up to, see what they're talking about. You may land lucky in that one day they say, I'm looking for a business owner who can talk about this, or I'm looking for somebody, a case study. And also another really good tip is sometimes to stick your neck out and help out, even if it doesn't benefit you at the time. So, you know, you might see a journalist that you're keen to make a connection with looking for a case study that's actually got nothing to do with you or your business. It can be a really smart move just to go, well, actually, my sister might be able to help with that, or I've got a friend who might be able to help with that. And then you've made that connection. And then when you do go to pitch a story to them, you've already got that kind of, remember me, I was the person who helped you with that. And that can be really, really good. Mm -hmm. Great tip. Thank you. So what are your tips for putting together a press release or pitching pitching to the media once you've identified these journalists? Okay, so the first thing I want to say about a lot of people, again, I think that holds them back from getting PR is they worry about, oh, I've got to write a press release. Now, firstly, that's a, it's a really important skill. It's so important that I've got a free resource on my website. I've got a free five-day press release writing course that you can download. So it is an important skill. But what I always say to people, and I actually say this in the course, is that if you've got a great idea, you don't need to write a press release. A nicely worded email or even a phone call can be just as effective. And sometimes it's very timely that, you know, that, that can be better than trying to put a press release together. 
The key things I would say are be really clear. Journalists get thousands of emails, like thousands every week, and they don't open most of them. So <laughs> if you want to get yours opened, you need to really clearly label it up what it is. So in your subject header, you might say story idea or story pitch, and then really simple what it is you're trying to pitch. Some people try to get clever with words. So the example that I use in my press release writing course is about a couple of guys, you might know about this, Amanda, because you, you live in London, who started a serial cafe in Shoreditch mm-hmm. in London. And the wrong way to pitch that story would be to be, you know, try to be clever with words and go, oh, crunch time for local business owners. You know, you might think you're being clever with words, but if you imagine a journalist opening and eat there, looking at their inbox and seeing crunch time for business owners, they don't know what it's about. How I would label that story up would be just to say, story idea, serial cafe opening in East London. Just be really, we'd say Ron Seal is the phrase that we would use in the, in the UK, exactly what it says in the tin. So be really clear, it's so important. And then you need to get your top line. So that's basically the heart of your story in the first line of your pitch, if you can. A lot of people make the mistake where they do long, lengthy introductions, where they explain the background to their business and how it all started and who they work with. And journalists just don't have time for that. So if you can get your top line, would you be interested in a story on this? I mean, sometimes I can occasionally know where I pitched you, for example. It can be helpful just to say, quick introduction, this is who I am, this is what I do. But generally, I'd say just get straight in there and just say what your idea is. Don't worry about being perfect. Don't worry, I don't worry too much about typos, but it's not the end of the world if you make a typo or whatever. I can guarantee you, if you've got a story that's really great for a journalist, great for their audience, they probably wouldn't care if it was written on toilet paper. <laughs> if it's a great idea, they will get back to you straight away. They'll, they'll ring you. They'll be interested in it because it's easy to sort of think that journalists, these kind of intimidating people are sitting there with all these brilliant ideas that they have to choose from. But I can tell you from experience that while you get pitched loads of ideas, you get pitched hardly any ideas that are really perfect for your publication. So when you get one, you just jump on it straight away. And I, and I imagine it's probably the same for your podcast. You, you probably get pitched lots mm-hmm. of <laughs> Which isn't great, but when, so when you do get pitched something which you think, you know what, my audience would love that, you probably reply quite swiftly, you're mm-hmm. it. I actually get a feeling in my stomach, you know, when, I, when someone pitches me a really great story, I, I can feel it inside, I'm like, great. And I don't want anybody else to get that story. So it really is important that you cut to the chase really quickly and you don't mess around because you can actually ruin your chances. If you spend too much time faffing around into giving backgrounds, then you can sort of ruin your chances. And if you are writing a press release, it's the same thing. The top line, I spent a lot of time in this press release writing course, just explaining people how to write a really good opening sentence for their press release, just so that the journalist knows exactly what the story is about, right from the word go. It is amazing because I do I do get lots of pitches for my podcast and sometimes you just read them and you're like, do you even know what my podcast is? Like, have you ever even listened to it? It just yeah. feels like a form letter or something yeah. or just so salesy. Like I sell this new like weight loss protein shake or something. They're always wanting to be on my podcast. And I'm like, why would I want to? <laughs> that, that's yeah. not at all what I'm talking about. Like, oh. yeah. yeah, but I often say to people, it's like, a, it's like going for a job interview. So if you think about if you got a job interview for a job that you really, really wanted to do, what, think about the preparation you would do. You'd probably read up on the company online. You'd stalk the person who's interviewing you on LinkedIn or Twitter. You'd, you'd scour every bit of information on that company that you possibly could. But for some reason, I mean, and it would always be insulting really to walk into a job interview that you for a job that you supposedly really wanted without having done that prep. But I find most people who pitch journalists, essentially, it sounds... It sounds awful to say this, but they're kind of insulting journalists, really, because you're pitching to somebody and you, you haven't read their publications, you haven't at least tried to understand what it is they're trying to do and who their audience is. 
then it is almost a bit insulting. And sometimes you look and you just think, God, you haven't even read this publication. You haven't even taken the trouble just to see, you know, we never do articles on that or our content isn't aimed at parents or whatever it might be. You've got no chance, basically, if you haven't really just taken that time to do that prep. It's that walking into a job interview with doing no research on the firm and then expecting to get the job. Mm -hmm. Now, Jen, do you recommend in terms of pitching, is this something that people should be just doing ongoing, like every week pitch somebody different? Or is it better to cluster them around a certain time of year or a certain thing that's happening and then pitch loads of people in a flurry? What's more effective? Well, actually, you do need to be a bit careful about pitching like people at the same time I would say you know be on it all the time always be pitching always be looking for opportunities but if you pitch the same story to two editors on competing titles for example that could actually cause quite a lot of upset so the key thing is always to be really open about who else you're talking to and where else you've been featured and 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 that kind of thing because you know I made a mistake very early on in my career where it was the first time I'd got a yes from an industry publication that I was really keen to be in I was so excited and then, lo and behold, I pitched the same story to The Guardian as well. They came back and said they wanted it. And I tried to budget. I tried to sort of do the story, but in a slightly different way. And the editor rumbled me because I was so desperate to get the byline in both titles. And it kind of damaged our relationship. And it's not worth it in the long run. It's better to say, oh, you know, I'm really sorry, but, but actually someone else has gone for this idea. Um, can I offer you this instead? Or is there anything else I can help you with? So it's really important that you're clear about it. And yeah, like you say, if you've got a launch coming up or you've got a new product or a program or whatever it might be, yeah, that's the time when you're really kind of up the ante on your PR. But I'd say just always be looking for opportunities all the time. A really great way to get press coverage or to get opinion articles, I'm doing a webinar on this actually this afternoon, is I call it piggybacking. So you read a story in the news that kind of relates to your industry or sector in some way. And you've got something to say about it. So that's when you send an email to an editor on a newspaper or magazine and say, can I write you an opinion article about this? And that's the kind of content that they'll bite your hands off for because they're hungry for that kind of content. Their readers are hungry for that kind of content. It's the same with TV and radio as well. You know, something comes up in the news that really relates to your industry. I mean, it could be, you know, if, if you've got a beauty business or something, it could be that some new research comes out to say that something that we all thought that, you know, all thought was good for us suddenly isn't or breast implants or something, some kind of, you know, new research around that. And if that kind of relates to your industry, that could be a great opportunity for you to do this piggybacking thing. So this is a kind of mixture of kind of strategic stuff, but then always being on the lookout for opportunities. I'm on a bit of a pitching streak at the moment, and I've pitched every day for the last five days. and have had a yes every single day. There's something quite nice about it. Um, and the more you do it, obviously, the better you get at it. So it's definitely worth having it on your radar all the time. So what do you do? Because you just mentioned you're on the streak and you're giving lots of yeses. But I guess for a lot of people starting out, they might not get a string of yeses because they might not be so good at pitching or they, you know, or just... Yeah, just getting going. So how do you encourage people to stay positive when they're getting no's? It can be really tough because obviously I've been doing this for 15 years and it's like second nature to me. I just know, you know, occasionally I get it wrong, but I just know generally whether it's a podcast or a guest blog or it's a PR media, I generally kind of just look at the publication, the program, the podcast and just think, what is it they're looking for? And I can offer it to them. But that's taken me 15 years to get to this stage. So I'd say don't be too hard on yourself. This stuff does take time to learn. So you may find at first that you're getting silence. You may find that you get no's. But if you get no's, that's actually quite a good thing because if editors actually, or journalists, they look at your pictures and they think they're interesting enough to comment on, that's probably quite a good thing. So I would be quite heartened by that. 
if you're getting a lot of no's, I think it's time to go back and, and think, right, okay, am I labelling up my pitch? You know, has it, is it clearly labelled story ideas, the things I talked about before? Is my top line, is the thing that I want to write about, is that in my first line of my pitch or my press release? Just to go back and check the basis and then just go back. I mean, the key thing I always say to people is, is this something that people would actually care about? Is it something that they would talk to about their friends? I've got a blog post on my site at the moment, which is, would your story pass the Facebook test? And I think Facebook or any sort of social network, just looking at the stories, when you share a story that you found interesting on social media, just thinking about the ones that people engage with, the ones that people comment on, the ones that people maybe get a bit heated about. You need to kind of take that and kind of learn from that and think, okay, well, when I'm pitching into the media, the things that I pitch need to have that kind of spirit. They've got to be things that people care about. They've got to be, be things that, that people have an opinion on, whether they agree with or disagree. So I think if you're not having much luck, it's just about sort of going back and just reminding yourself of those principles. And my website, my blog, is just full of information about all of this stuff, right from beginners to people who've been doing it for a while. So if there are any people out there who are trying this stuff out at the moment and are struggling a bit, do go and have a look at my blog, which is on my website, which is janetmurray.co.uk. There's loads of really good resources there. But, you know, keep at it. The other thing I would say to people as well is that it can take years to really build a, a media profile. You might look at other business owners and think, oh, they've been on Forbes, they've been on Mind, Body, Green, they've been in Tiny Buddha or Huffington Post and, and feel quite envious. But when you really dig down, it's probably been over quite a few years and it does take years and lots of practice to get these skills. But the rewards are, are so worth it because if somebody approaches me, for example, when I'm working at The Guardian and says, can I write for you? The first thing I do is Google them, see what else they've done, where else they've been published. So it's kind of like a chicken and egg thing. Yeah. And so I guess that makes sense that maybe you might even start with like smaller publications and start to get a little bit of yeah. credibility and then work up to the major nationals. Yeah. One thing that I would really recommend is that you start regional first. So you might just start regional. They tend to have more space. They're looking for things that are of interest to people in the local area rather than nationally. So that can help you a little bit. Just try, you know, maybe you're running a charity event or something, or maybe you're doing something interesting in the community or something going on, which isn't national news, but you think is a little bit interesting, a bit different. Try it out locally first. Or you can try things like, I mean, I do, I regularly do the paper review, newspaper review for my local radio station. It's really interesting because all the things that I've done, I've been on national TV, I've been in national newspapers. But the one thing that people always comment on is hearing from the local radio. And that can be really good for engagement. It can be really good just to put yourself forward for regular things as well. And often you know, local radio stations will be looking for experts to come in and talk about things or to come in and re review the papers. So it's a long game and think about it more long term. Great. And the last thing I wanted to ask you actually was a lot of times people will say, oh, I need to create a media kit for my business. But you haven't talked about that at all. So that's just not something that you need when you're pitching or where does uh, that fit? good to have a few resources the kind of things that people will want and they might want quickly are good quality photographs of you so if somebody wants to write about you or they want you to write something they're going to want a good quality photograph i advise people to have a bio to hand you on your website but you can maybe send people to a page on your website where you've got photos a bio all the things that a journalist would need but i wouldn't worry too much about that kind of thing it really is about the quality of your story you could have the most fantastic media kit in the world you could have a fantastic page on your website but if your stories are no good it's not really going to help you in the long run but just basic things like photos files that people can use a little bit of background info about you and your company that's probably enough that's great thanks so much jan can you let us know where people can get in touch with you if they'd like to sign up for your free opt-in your press release course or learn about working with you 
Yeah, so I have a free five-day press-release writing course, which is really just your kind of first step into getting into this PR stuff. That's on my website, which is at janetmurray.co.uk. I don't know if you'll be able to link to that. Yeah, I will, definitely. Also, I'm quite active on Twitter. So I'm at jan underscore murray, and it's M-U-R-R-A-Y. I'm on Instagram and Facebook as well, but Twitter's probably the place where I'm most active. And yeah, I mean, I'm quite happy for people to read. I do get a lot of emails because I still do quite a bit of journalism as well. But I'm quite happy for people to reach out and ask me questions. I may not be able to get back, you know, immediately, but I will do my best to reply and give me a nudge if I don't, if you've got any specific questions. And I also run regular free webinars on all aspects of, of getting media coverage. So if you sign up to my email list on my website, then you'll get invites to those as well. And my blog is just, you know, there's everything really, if you're looking to get started with PR or maybe you've done a bit and it's not going your way, then there's so many resources on there in every aspect. You know, how to put together a pitch, how to contact journalists, what to do if they're not getting back to you. It's all there, basically. That's great. Thanks so much, Jan. I'll link all of that up in the show notes so that people can get to it really easily. So yeah. thanks so much for taking the time to talk to me today. That's good. Thank you. Woohoo. How awesome was that interview, right? Do you have pages of notes and action steps start getting media coverage for your business. I know I was really inspired talking to Jan. So as always, you can find the show notes either by tapping on the picture of the Wellpreneur podcast or by going to wellpreneuronline.com slash 77 to get all the links of everything we talked about today. And if you get media coverage for your business by using the tips you learned in this podcast, absolutely tell me. I would love to see where you're featured in the media. I'd love to see these successes from people in the Wellpreneur community. So you can tweet me at Wellpreneurs and send me links to your media coverage and I'll totally love to see it. So have a fantastic week and go get yourself some media coverage. I'll see you back here next week with the next episode. Mm -hmm.